Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. Stay tuned as Greg Prince brings the Catholic newsmakers to you. Wherever it's happening in the diocese, you'll hear about it on Western New York Catholic Weekly. Many of you are familiar, of course, with uh, the program Our Daily Bread with Father Paul Seil airs every month on WKBW-TV Channel 7. Uh, Next month, uh, this month now, actually, if you tune in on uh, Saturday, August 12th at noon on Channel 7, you will see a different sort of program featuring our guest today, Bishop Richard Malone. Bishop, welcome to the program. Thank you, Greg. Happy to be with you. Uh, And he will be doing a bit of a campus chat with students at Canisius College. So something a little bit uh, different. Uh, Daybreak has done programs like this before on different topics with different groups of people, young adults and young children. In fact, I think on some of the some of the shows before you've answered uh, questions from little kids, right? I mean, so you've done this kind of thing. Well, I have, yes. Yeah, I, I had to reach back to my memory there for a moment. To see one, yeah, that's the, uh, you know, I, I imagine uh, it all kind of runs together because, of course, every week you are here doing a, a new thought every week with the Consider This Pieces as well. And back when I was in Boston, I did all yeah, many, right. many series with the Boston Catholic TV folks. So I have to remember <laughs> what was done where and when. So if you haven't done it here. <laughs> yeah, I might have done yeah, it there. probably. There you go. Uh, so college students, give us an idea kind of how this came about. What was the genesis of the idea there? Well, the, the idea uh, was that we were going to do some new creative programming with Daybreak. We're so blessed to have you, Greg, and our radio apostle, and also Daybreak for TV. And uh, we looked over a number of possibilities, and actually it was the Daybreak crew, Claire Rung and her staff, who suggested we, we focus on campus life. We have seven Catholic colleges and universities in our diocese, happily, and of course, Newman Center's in the public universities. And I, of, was a, when I was a much younger priest, uh, I served happily as a campus minister Back in Boston, I was chaplain at Harvard University for a while and Wellesley College and Regis College. So campus ministries in my blood. I said, yes, let's do it. <laughs> Very good. Yes, yeah, and certainly the college environment. You are a, a teacher going way back and uh, you know, also an administrator as well. I'm, I'm so. just very comfortable in that, in yeah. that environment. With, uh, I, we might talk more about this in the next part of the program because I want to I ask you some uh, questions about the recent convocation of Catholic sure. leaders too. But this audience in particular, college-age students, uh, that age group going a little bit older, recent college grads, maybe not folks into their 30s, but um, they get lumped into this group called millennials. You know, these people kind of born at the turn of the century or whatever. And it's an interesting group because if we step outside of church circles for a minute and we look at you know, like just the marketing world, People aren't sure how to market to millennials. There's a lot of discussion about that. Exactly. So I would imagine some of that translates to how do we as a church reach out to this kind of broad group? You're right, Greg. And that went actually to, to bridge the gap between the two topics today. That was one of the major issues at our convocation yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, Bishop Robert Barron, who's done such great work with, his, with media, with his Catholicism series, 
He's auxiliary bishop of L.A. now, but he gave a major talk where he focused on uh, outreach to millennials. And, of course, the college students, undergrads, are uh, be the beginning of a, of a different generation than millennials. The millennials are more um, – 30s, I think. Yeah, a little, getting 40s, a little bit older, but I forget what they, they call this new one. They all get kind of They in, unfortunately, That's, exactly this happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there, there are challenges there. But I find too that there's a, when, when you're able to tap into it, and and the young folks are in a comfortable situation that's not awkward for them. It's very easy for them to open up to spiritual and religious conversation. That's been my experience. Um, more so, I guess, than previous generations. Almost. I mean, that's that seems to be the case that they are. Um, it's it's one of the difficult but promising things in that um, they seem to be more open to uh, other ideas, religion, spirituality, well, intellectual I, I, pursuits. I, I think part of it too is that. A lot of these younger folks in their 20s, late teens and early 20s and 30s um, have not been as richly nurtured in Catholic experience growing up as, for example, I was. Now, we shouldn't compare those eras since I'm <laughs> 71 years old. And, but I'm a little in the you know, tweener, so I, something. I, I'm yeah. a person, you probably too, we were marinated in Catholicism growing up. You know, in other words, we were exposed to all the symbolism and uh, we knew what devotions were and we knew what the Eucharist was, the real presence, prayer. And a lot of the young folks now, um, sadly, not all of them, uh, we don't want to generalize too much, but a lot of them have not grown up in situations where they've had that exposure. So when you can tap into it in a way that catches their attention, I find they open up very quickly. After all, if they're baptized Christians, God's grace is already at work in their hearts. It's there. And sometimes it's just a matter of turning up the flame. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a short break here because uh, we, we have a clip from the show where one of the young gentlemen asked you about um, how you handle struggles with your, with your life and stuff. So, so let me play that. We'll get right back to the conversation with Bishop Richard Malone here. Throughout my life, I was uh, you know, raised Catholic education since I think kindergarten. Um, You're a lifer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, within that time, I've definitely had, like, my struggles and where I thought that, um, you know, God wasn't listening or, um, you know, uh, I just didn't know, like, really where to go. And um, I know you said before that um, one of, like, the foundations of what Jesus tried to teach us was love. And I do think that um, one of the things that I was always taught, even through having those struggles, was that you know, God's very essence is love, but oftentimes I've been like confused as to how I use that love in my, in my life. So I was wondering if you've ever gone through a struggle like that. I, I certainly have. I certainly have. Sometimes people think, I don't think you're doing it, but, but assume that we've come right straight from the womb without ever going on a detour, you know, or falling in a rut or having doubts and questions, and that's not, that's not the case. It's not the case at all. I mean, I, I have those moments. I, I pray every day, but I have moments in my life, and I'm 71 years old, even though I don't look that old, do I? Thank you very much. You're my friends. But, uh, but I, have, I have those times when I, I still pray, but I, it feels very dry to me, do you know? And uh, if you read... 
someone gave me an insight about that, though. If you, you read the, the writings of some of the great saints, you know, Therese of Lisieux, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, you find almost always reports from those saints about times of darkness in their lives when they did not have a sense of God. There's a clip from Campus Chat, which is going to air on uh, WKBW-TV Channel 7 next Saturday, August 12th at noon. And uh, that's, a, that's kind of an example of the sort of discussion that you had. It is. We the, had a, I, I began the conversation oh. by asking them, because I wanted them to do more talking than I would do, uh, although it didn't always end up that way well, toward the happens, end of it. You know, so. But well, you know, I, I asked them, what difference being at a Catholic, being at a Jesuit college was making for them in their lives. And they were able to be very articulate about that in many, many ways. And uh, at, in particular, being at Canisius with the Jesuit uh, vision there, Ignatian vision, they were able to talk about the importance of being men and women for and with others. That's that a very beautiful uh, Jesuit uh, principle. Uh, you brought up a thing. Actually, I got a clip about that too. We'll get to that in a second. But you, you brought up an interesting point to them about how you didn't assume that everybody you were talking to is Catholic, first of all, right. which, uh, which is a truth at any of our Catholic schools. And that's a good thing. Right. We, we want to maintain the school's Catholic identity and mission with strength and authenticity, but come one, come all. Just know when you come, you're going to be exposed to what we hope is the best of Catholicism. Well, and um, that presents an opportunity for us, right? Not that we want to, not that it's about proselytizing or that kind of thing, but it is an excellent opportunity for evangelization, maybe in the best sense of the word. There's no question about it. And I, I think that's why it's so important we, we keep our eye on the Catholic identity of all our Catholic institutions. John Paul II, St. John Paul, a few years before he died, called the church, the bishops, to be attentive to Catholic identity of every single institution that calls itself Catholic. Colleges, universities, hospitals, social services, keep an eye on it because it can erode if we don't stay on top of it. Yeah. Uh, let me play this. Uh, um, here's an example of that not happening. Uh, this other clip that we have, one of the uh, uh, girls who you spoke with uh, talked about the service component of her time at, at Canisius College. I think one of the things about a Jesuit education that makes it so special is um, the seeing God in all things. And I think that includes seeing God in all people. And before I came to Canisius, I didn't do service ever. I didn't go out and volunteer and like just help people just because it was something I enjoyed and um, through campus ministry we go to St. Luke's quite often like about once a week and just kind of seeing them not as just homeless mouths that you're feeding but as people who all are their own person and independent that you get that chance to be able to help them and do it literally for no other reason than you get to help them like it's amazing. And being around Amy in itself is inspiring over there isn't it huh? No, Amy, who runs uh, St. Luke's. Oh, yeah. You know and we I go mean. with... Um... <laughs> I thought it was an Amy over there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like... She's, a, she's inspiring, too. She's so quiet, all the, though. All the people who are there yeah. every day. Are they and, tremendous? You know, yeah, and they know every person who walks through yeah, there, and they abs- all absolutely. are amazing, yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for the commitment of those of you who go to St. Luke's or other ministries like that. We're talking with Bishop Richard Malone about Campus Chat. Uh, You're going to be able to see and hear more of that next Saturday at noon on WKBW-TV Channel 7. 
one of the things that um, kind of piqued my interest as as you and those students talked about Canisius and a Jesuit education. You mentioned earlier in the program you were a campus minister at Harvard. Um, and of course, I suppose in Catholic circles, right? Well, really in all circles, Jesuits as a as an order and as an institution are certainly some of the best and brightest scholars and intellectuals in our country. You know, forget about just in Catholic circles. No question about that. I mean, we have, of course, the Jesuits be the first to admit it, that we have great uh, scholars and intellectuals among the Franciscans and the sure. Dominicans and, and nowadays among the, the lay people. Yeah. There are a lot of young lay men and lay women now getting doctorates in theology and coming into our institutions who are a great hope for the future. But what you say is true about the Society of Jesus. I had many Jesuits as my professors. There, there's just something about um, – the Jesuit approach and a Jesuit education, which I imagine in many ways, in fact, well, you brought it up during the, the conversation on campus chat, um, kind of shapes both your conversation and the responses you're going to get from students at Canisius, right? You're right, Greg. It was very clear in our conversation that the young people knew exactly how to answer when I asked them what was the Jesuit impact on them. They all had immediate responses to that. A lot of it had to do with reaching out to people in, in need. Any surprises for you during the, the course of the day and the, and the course of the conversation? Not, not really. I, I mean, I just feel totally at home and comfortable with that, with that age group, with, co- with college students. And we were in their environment. We were on campus. Makes a difference. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. like we brought them here to a conference room at the Catholic yeah, Center, right, right. which we would try to make be very hospitable. Sure, sure. But, um, but being, being right there on their turf, which they you know, experience every single day, I think made it a good ex- thing Well, and people walking by in the background Absolutely. just out in the middle of the, you know, the common area. And if sometimes they, once in a while before we started <laughs> taping, Claire Runga, one of the staff, would say, come, join us if you want. They'd say, no, thanks, so, which was fine. <laughs> yeah, See, these, these young people were invited and they yeah, chose to come. Yeah. The other one said, no, I got something else to do right now, which is good. Yeah, well, it works out then. <laughs> uh, I would think um, – we're going to take a break here in a second. I would think though uh, particularly people at this age are are maybe kind of a good litmus test for how are we doing as a church and a diocese and are we – are we getting our message out effectively? We're getting it out effectively but not as effectively as we need to. Yeah. And that was really uh, – Part of, the, part of the major theme of the convocation we, we just had a few weeks back. How do we get out the gospel message of joy and the truth of Christ in a, in a more effective way in a world that has become very secularized, simply meaning um, for a lot of good people, religion is just not on the radar screen. And a sense of a transcendent God is not on the radar screen and divine revelation is not there for a lot of folks, huh? good people. So in light of all of that, the challenge is to really to be effective and, and also not only to uh, touch people's minds because we come from a very deeply intellectual tradition as Catholics, but to touch hearts and imaginations. I'm convinced one of the reasons St. Francis of Assisi is so popular and continues to be effective now 
is he grabs your heart. He gra- so does Pope Francis. He touches the imagination, not just the intellect, and has to be all of the above. Yeah, the, since we're talking about both kind of the Franciscan Jesuit we have yeah. in Rome right now, right? Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of your experiences at the convocation in the next part of the program. We're going to take a short break. Our guest is Bishop Richard Malone, uh, Bishop of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. We'll be right back. Make your voice heard. There are thousands of Catholic New Yorkers who are working together for justice in our society, promoting the values important to our faith. Join the Catholic Action Network and speak out in support of the poor and vulnerable, the sick and elderly, the unborn, families and children. Sign up online at nyscatholic.org and click on Join the Network. That's nyscatholic.org. For more information, call the Office of Pro-Life Activities of the Diocese of Buffalo at 716-847-2205 and visit the New York State Catholic Conference's Legislative Action Center. Read alerts on important legislative issues and email your state representative. Stay informed and strengthen the Catholic voice in New York. You'll find it all at nyscatholic.org. That's nyscatholic.org. If you're Catholic and looking for an incredible Bible app, the Truth and Life Bible app is for you, and it's absolutely free. With the Truth and Life Bible app, you'll experience the Bible in a fresh, new, and exciting way. This free app includes the entire Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition Bible text with powerful search capabilities. Search a word like faith, and every verse that includes faith will appear. In fact, there are 496 passages with the word faith from Genesis to Revelation. Also included is the entire two-hour audio Gospel of Mark featuring Blair Underwood as Mark, Neil McDonough as Jesus, plus other world-renowned actors. This audio gospel of Mark is dramatized with a full cast, sound effects, and original music score, and is synchronized to the text, so that as you hear this powerful audio, the text appears verse by verse. The Truth in Life Bible includes a foreword by Pope Emeritus Benedict and a Vatican imprimatur. Download your free Truth in Life Bible app today at truthinlifeapp.com or search Truth in Life Bible in the app store of your choice. The August issue of the Western New York Catholic is now available in your local parish. My question is, like in this day and age where it's so easy to or, to wrong and, or, and sometimes they do it without remorse, how would you forgive them? Well, what a great question. I think we all can resonate with that, too. We've all had moments in life when something, we've been hurt, betrayed. I have, too. And... Uh, it's tough to get over it. I'm Greg Prince. Thank you for joining us this week on Western New York Catholic Weekly. Bishop Richard Malone joins us uh, today. We're talking about a, a daybreak television special um, that they produced where Bishop Malone chats with uh, students at Canisius College. It's called Campus Chat. It'll be on next Saturday, August 12th at noon on WKBW-TV Channel 7. And uh, in fact, when uh, we came out of the break, you heard another little clip from that. And, and we kind of finished up that segment talking about, you know, the convocation and getting our message out. Um, And I guess my first reaction to your response there is, I suppose, if we felt that we were reaching people as effectively as we could, we wouldn't have this convocation for Catholic leaders, right? That that could well be true. Um, The U.S. bishops as a body about five or six years ago, came up with this vision that we would plan for and hold a major historic convocation of Catholic leaders from around the country. And it turned out that 3,200 wow. showed up at this for this week, Fourth of July weekend. People gave up their weekend 
and they were from all over the country. The idea was to have not just diocesan staff. We, you need some of those so you can move forward when we come back in our own dioceses. We wanted younger and older people. We wanted men and women. We wanted religious, priests, bishops. We had 155 bishops there from around the country. And the, the theme was uh, it was a convocation of Catholic leaders, colon. Every good title has a colon somewhere. Of course. That's right. Uh, the joy of the gospel. And all of the presentations and 67 different breakout sessions were all on how do we really become missionary disciples, real friends and followers of Jesus, real, authentic, who, are, who know we're sent out on mission to bring his message of truth and love to the world. Uh, so what were some of the – do you think the, the key um, results of that? First, I, I suppose we should maybe step back first of all. Um, what were the things that excited you the most going into this convocation? Well, one, one of the things that we, we – I was one of the six bishops who was responsible for planning this okay. thing. So I had kind of a key role right from the beginning, you know, with all the nitty-gritty of it. And one of the things we were insistent on, along with having some major compelling uh, presenters and also uh, lots of vibrant liturgies and prayer and, as I say, breakout sessions on everything from racism to Amoris Laetitia to the challenges of the risks to young people in our culture, everything, but was to have several opportunities where each diocesan group could sit down with its own bishop and do some thinking and praying and planning for the future. So our group of, I think, 18 folks um, uh, had several opportunities to reflect on the process of the convocation, what we were learning. And now we have set up a schedule beginning next month, um, maybe it begins next week, of regular meetings back here to see now how do we start to incarnate and integrate in the Diocese of Buffalo some of the learnings and vision of the convocation. So it's very exciting, very exciting. So you kind of had an opportunity to kind of talk amongst people from all over and then sort of decide, all right, so what do we think we might want to do going forward? What are, what are some of those key things, do you think, that we're going to address coming out of this Well, that's the question that we'll, we'll kind of uh, start with. Start, okay. start with. Uh, the, the whole of the convocation, of course, was was illuminated by Pope Francis' wonderful exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, the, the joy of the gospel. It's a beautiful, beautiful writing of the Holy Father. And his uh, major theme in there, of course, is that if a person has truly encountered Christ, that person should know joy. Even, even with all of life's challenges and suffering and sorrows, deep down inside, if we truly have met Christ, there's a reason to know joy. And if we know joy in our lives, let's find better ways to share that with people. I'm convinced that, and people hear me say it all the time, I I believe our society is struggling with a real crisis of meaning. I think a lot of folks don't know where to look for deep abiding meaning in their lives. And without any arrogance at all, we Christians know, we Catholics know, we find that in Jesus, in the sacraments, in the gospel. How do we share that better? You know, one of the things I always say to folks on that point— I think one of the things that Catholics are really good at are funerals because they are opportunities, even though it's a time of sadness, that we can really kind of present that hope and joy and the entire liturgy speaks to that. And we see – obviously down here at the Catholic Center, we're involved in – 
large celebrations of all kinds and some of those unfortunately are funerals, when a firefighter dies, when a police officer dies, when a public servant dies, um, when some of our longstanding priests pass away. And people that come that are not Catholic, that have not experienced it, their reaction when I hear it later on is almost always, oh my goodness, I feel so much better. It's so beautiful. In many ways, I agree with you, Greg. In many ways, we as church are at our best when we celebrate a funeral well, prayerfully, beautifully, with dignity, and with a personal dimension so that it's clear the the celebrant and the homilist know the person who died or have learned about that person. We're at our best. Our symbols, our ritual, uh, our music just uh, can lift a person up. Never never denying the need for tears. Right. Never. Right. Jesus wept when he learned that Lazarus had died. Huh? So we cry. But then the funeral mass tells us there's more. There's that beautiful line in the preface, life is changed, not ended. And that resounds through the funeral liturgy. Uh, but again, pointing to that need need for tears, but that need for joy and that search for meaning. Exactly. Um, And again, you know, I kind of mentioned that with this millennial generation. Uh, It's almost like they realize, our younger people realize, there's got to be more to this. Oh, there's a, you know, I I believe there's a a deep hunger for God and for the things of God in every single one of us. I believe God is, Karl Rahner, the great theologian, wrote someplace that God created us with an emptiness that only God can fill. And that emptiness is where God's grace stirs us up and makes us look beyond ourselves for that deepest kind of meaning. Coming back to St. Augustine in, in his confessions when he's, he finally has turned the corner and given himself to Christ. And he says in his prayer, O oh God, you have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. The young people feel that we all do, but the young people have a restlessness. And if you can help them as we help ourselves become aware of it, there's an opening of grace, which is a beautiful thing to behold. Uh, I'm going to let you go, but uh, I was really hoping as we went – you told an interesting story at the beginning of campus chat to the uh, to the students there about uh, a friend of yours who used to go visit uh, prior to his death, an older Monsignor who lived a very full life. And you asked him a question and I was hoping yeah, that, that one of these students might uh, – um, in turn, get your response to that question. Since they didn't, I'm going to ask. Is uh, this would be a little preview for the show? Okay. What? A, um, how about your fear? What do you? What? What's your biggest fear? Well, my. F- it's, I thought it was when you said, "I don't my, know where that came fear, from." My fear, you know? and it's not a deep abiding fear with me. I would call it just a, a caution: is that I would ever, for some reason, lose my sense of God's love for me. As a person, and I do believe God loves me and loves every one of us. After all, God created us, huh? Christ redeemed us. And I would hope I never become so distracted or so burdened by life's challenges or the challenges of ministry. You know, a lot of a bishop's work is problem solving, as you know. Yeah. Sure. That I would lose my focus on my, on my friendship with Christ, uh, the intimacy of that friendship. Christ said, I've come to call you friends, not servants. Um, and how much the Lord loves me, even when sometimes I might not think I'm lovable. I, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, because you even said, I I don't know where that question came from. We were just talking yeah. and, and I, th- I thought of this. But I, and I can't wait for people to hear his response to that because yeah. it's almost like he was waiting for you to ask. Oh, it was a beautiful, it was a, it's a very beautiful memory. 
Yeah. And I won't give it away now. People no, can, no. People no, can tune they, they in. they got to tune in. It's going to be great. Saturday, August 12th, next Saturday at noon on WKBW-TV. Although I've used Channel that story 7. in a couple of commencement addresses. People so might have heard it. They might have heard it already, but it's <laughs> worth hearing again. It is worth hearing again. It was, yeah, it was a good setup for the uh, uh, for the rest of the program. Uh, bishop Richard Malone, our bishop here in the Diocese of, of Buffalo, thanks for spending some time with us this weekend. Thank you, Greg, and thanks for all you do in this apostolate. And by all means, daybreaktv.org is Daybreak's website, all the information about the program and all the programs they do. Uh, Bishop Malone's weekly Consider This segments as well as our Daily Bread and uh, uh, the many other uh, things they have available. You can uh, watch them online and uh, find out where they air. Campus Chat next Saturday at noon, WKBW-TV Channel 7. I'm Greg Prince. We'll be back with you next week. Make your voice heard. There are thousands of Catholic New Yorkers who are working together for justice in our society, promoting the values important to our faith. Join the Catholic Action Network and speak out in support of the poor and vulnerable, the sick and elderly, the unborn, families and children. Sign up online at nyscatholic.org and click on Join the Network. That's nyscatholic.org. For more information, call the Office of Pro-Life Activities of the Diocese of Buffalo at 716-847-2205 and visit the New York State Catholic Conference's Legislative Action Center. Read alerts on important legislative issues and email your state representative. Stay informed and strengthen the Catholic voice in New York. You'll find it all at nyscatholic.org. That's nyscatholic.org. You've been listening to Western New York Catholic Weekly, produced by the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, with the help of the Catholic Communication Campaign and this radio station. If you have a comment about this week's program or need more information about anything you hear on Western New York Catholic Weekly, call us at 847-8744 or send us an email to radio at buffalodiocese.org. Our email address again is radio at buffalodiocese.org or call 847-8744. You can visit the Western New York Catholic and the Diocese of Buffalo online at buffalodiocese.org. And be sure to join Greg Prince again next week for Western New York Catholic Weekly.